Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I want to speak this morning about this encounter between Jacob and this man in the night. Um, fighting, fighting all night. I wonder if you've ever fought all night. Of course not. Um, you know, I, I know, I know a couple once, they, they fought until they were so exhausted that one fell down, at, one fell asleep at the top of the stairs, and the other person, the woman, fell, fell asleep at the bottom of the stairs. And when they woke up in the morning, they just started giggling at each other. But I just wonder if you've ever fought through the night, if you've ever fought in your dreams through the night or struggled through the night with some wrestling thing, you know, that just simply wouldn't leave you alone. But that's, that is Jacob as he crosses the stream of the Jabbok, he starts to wrestle. He's wrestled, the wrestler comes to him, a man, and I mean, the man says to him at a certain point during the middle of the night, let go, but Jacob will not let go. He cannot let go. Let go, I can't let go, let go. And I cannot let go unless you bless me. What is, what is he looking for? Why does he want such a blessing? Well, because he's a scoundrel. You see, he's cheated to get his blessing. He cheated to get his blessing. He cheated his brother Esau, who was the firstborn. And he cheated his father, who was losing his sight. And it's a whole mishigas, but the point is, he winds up with all the power, and his brother with none of it. But he knows he's a cheater. I once asked a group of 60 very talented math students high school math students, to take a blind uh, survey, and they didn't have to put their name on it, how many of them had ever cheated on a math test? And out of 60 students, 58 said that they had. Now, I know that none of you have ever cheated on a test in your entire life, I'm really glad you've never, ever copied anybody's homework. Your taxes are completely correct. <laughs> you've reported everything you ever did. Um, but there is something to this imposter syndrome piece. There is something to this place of ours that makes us feel that the very seat that we occupy, the very seat that you occupy right now at Calvary St. George's, you have no right to be in. And that's how he felt. And he wasn't entirely wrong. And perhaps neither are you and neither am I. Because there's something in us that says, what really gives me a place to stand? Where, where am I safe? Where am I blessed? 
How do I get this blessing? And what I love in this story is his energy, his passion. I wish, every, I wish you would work so hard when you come to church. I do. Work as hard as Jacob. Say, Janet, I will not let you go until you bless me. Hold the front of the pew. I'm not getting out of here till something's better. And maybe you'll get something out of that. He certainly does, does he not? Because, well, Jacob becomes Israel, and forever we are children of Israel. We're not children of Jacob. We're children of Israel. We're children of those who have wrestled with God, Israel, those who have wrestled with God, not the usurper, not Yaakov, the usurper, but those who have wrestled with God. We have a new inheritance. But what else does he get? He gets an injury. He gets a wound in his hip. And this wound that he gets is obvious. I mean, everywhere he goes after this, he limps. And so people say at the cocktail party, the, you know, the whatever century this was, I don't remember, um, Jacob, uh, you're limping. Uh, you weren't limping before. What happened? Well, you know, I used to be a scoundrel and now... I, what does he say? Well, I was in a fight. Fight with who? Well, in the middle of the night, a fight with God. You were fighting with God? What, that, what in God's name were you doing? Well, I'm not sure it was God, but I think I saw his face. You really did? What did he look like? I don't know, but... I mean, it must, have been, it must have been wonderful to be explaining. And, of course, he had to explain it all the time. And don't we often have to explain our wounds? You know, so let me tell you something. Six years ago... Six years ago, I was 80 pounds fatter than I am now. Let me tell you what it's like to be 80 pounds fatter. You go to Home Depot, and nobody helps you carry your bags to your car because you just simply don't look sexy, so they don't care. So all these heavy-looking, strong guys, they don't care. When you're 80 pounds thinner, suddenly they all run over to help you, but you don't need them anymore. <laughs> But you got to explain it. Well, Janet, why are you so fat? I don't know. I guess I eat a lot. I suppose. I don't know. My gene. I don't know. Watch television. They'll tell you. What about our weaknesses? Isn't it fun to describe them? You know, why is it that you picked that unfortunate woman as your wife? Oh, well, because I'm a great people picker, you know, I just do. Well, why is it that you're working in an area uh, that is now losing uh, does, no one, you studied for something that doesn't have any jobs anymore. Didn't you know when you were in school that they weren't going to have printing presses? No! <laughs> why, why, whatever made you think you could become an actor? I watched television! <laughs> it seemed like they needed some. I mean, for God's sake, but isn't it fun? These, these, these things that we have that are right, and we have to explain, we have to explain. But think about what we hear from Jesus. 
Jesus consistently tells us that it is these small wounds, it is these least of these least parts of ourselves, these least parts of ourselves that are the strongest parts of ourselves. The tiny mustard seed, the last shall be first. Have you ever tried to, to teach a bunch of first graders that the last shall be first? They do not believe you. <laughs> the greatest among you will be the one who serves. When he washes the feet and says, do likewise. The, the Gentiles are people who lord all their strengths and all their costumes over everybody, but it won't be so with you. At banquets, take the, take the least chair. And for goodness sake, he didn't have to say it, he embodied it. If he were here today, he would introduce himself to the most unpopular, crazy person at Calvary St. George's and have a brilliant conversation, don't you think? Wouldn't he? Wasn't that where we'd find him? He'd, we'd find him right where the wounds are. The King of Kings knows to go where the weakness is, and he knows that that is where the power is. For St. Paul, of course, says it so beautifully, when I am weak, then I am strong. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And all that said, I wonder whether you really believe do you actually believe that your weakest place is your strength? I mean, you're not your Mother Teresa self, your actual self. My answer to that would be, yes, I do. But it's the hardest lesson I have ever learned. And it is maybe the central lesson of the Christian gospel. And I keep on learning it, and I keep on teaching it, and I keep on wanting you to learn it. And it is central to our religious enterprise, because what is grace if it doesn't love our weakest self? What does it mean if it all, it, all it likes is our strength of where we've succeeded, where we've, where we've accomplished something? So it had to become time. It had to become time for Jacob in that night near the Jabbok, for Jacob to begin his work. He had stolen his blessing from his brother, and because he had stolen that blessing, he never really felt the blessing. And so that's true for so many of us, for settling for less than what we can really have the grace that is truly ours, and the power that is truly ours. To settle for less time and time again, grasping at a power which is no power, and leaving alone the power which is God's power. Time and time again, kids who are passed on in school without doing the work, never really feeling their accomplishment, never really feeling blessed like a pat on the back with an uninterested parent who 
who does not know the names of the kids in your class. Do you remember that when your parents started forgetting the names of the kids in your class? In some ways, when you're in high school, that's good. <laughs> Says Jacob, I will not let you go until you bless me. He's not conniving and he won't settle. And for this, he gets a wound, a real wound. And the blessing and the wound go together. The cross and the resurrection go together. The blessing and the wound go together. When I'm weak, then I am strong. Say it again. When I am weak, then I am strong. Go for it. That's right. Blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the Now, there we are. And Wimber said, John Wimber, Never trust a man who doesn't have a limp. <laughs> Is that good or what? Is that the best? So I want to speak a bit about the danger, too. If we don't have a limp, or you think you don't have a limp, we can't appreciate the blessing. People without a limp, or a knowledge of their limp, because nobody doesn't have a limp, but people who don't know they have a limp are dangerous, truly dangerous. Jacob without a limp is very dangerous, and we see that throughout his lying and conniving and manipulative life. Imagine if he were the leader of Israel. And people who don't know that they're weak easily become self Obsessed, unaware of themselves, proud, arrogant, unteachable, unempathetic, and damage a multitude of people. You've seen it, haven't you? Running roughshod over churches and communities and families because their lack of their own woundedness leads them to be able to be cruel without any knowledge of what they're doing. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Jacob, of all people, needed a wounded hip in order to be a blessing in God's salvation plan. And so do you, and so do I, and so do we. And the hurt is not the evidence of God leaving us without a blessing. It's the prerequisite for receiving a blessing. Isn't that great? It's very cool. So I want to just show you a clip um, now. Um, this is from my daughter's, um, in 2019, she graduated Barnard College, and Viola Davis gave the uh, commencement. And in her commencement speech, she told a little story. And I think it's just perfect for, for what, what we're learning today from this scripture. So, so let's, take, let's listen to it. And let me tell you something about poverty. You're invisible. Nobody sees the poor. You have access to nothing. You're no one's demographic. You know what my aha moment was? I had a memory when I was nine years old and I remember my parents fighting in the middle of the night. It was so bad that I started screaming at the top of my lungs and I couldn't stop. 
My older sister, Diane, told me to go in the house so people would hear me. So I ran in the house. I ran to the bathroom screaming still, just couldn't stop, and got down on my knees and closed my eyes. I put my hands together and said, God, if you exist, if you love me, you'll take me away from this life. Now I'm going to count to 10, and when I open my eyes, I want to be gone. You hear me? And I put my hands together and I was really believing it. One. And then I got to eight, nine, ten. And I opened my eyes and I was still there. But he did take my life. He left me right there, so when I gained vision and strength and forgiveness, I can remember what it means to be a child who was hungry. I could remember what it means to be in trauma. I could remember poverty, alcoholism. I could remember what it means to be a child who dreams and sees no physical manifestation of it. I could remember because I lived it. I was there. And that has been my biggest gift in serving. She's beautiful, isn't she? Leonard Cohen put it this way, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And that's how the light gets into you. Those things you think that are so cruddy, that are so wonderful, that only God can use, that give you compassion and love for others. So do me a favor, okay? Just, just for me, do this or whatever. You should take a hold of the, of the front of your pew. And I'm going to close, I want to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to count to 10. <laughs> and when we open our eyes, let's see what the world looks like. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten. It's everything you ever needed. You are entirely God's blessed child. You have seen and struggled face to face. And he has blessed you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.